What's up, fellow podcasters? This is Moses Marquez, the man behind Smartmark Radio Podcast Network. Let's be honest here. Do you want to make money from your podcast? Who doesn't, right? Well, thanks to Podcorn.com, it's beyond simple. I found this site and decided, let's just see how easy it really is. And can I just say, it's beyond easy? You pitch your ad to wanting companies, you hit them with a price, and boom, just like that, you're making money. There's a plethora of companies to choose from and lots of ways to get hired by them. They offer ad reads, interviews, tropical discussions, reviews, and a heck of a lot more. We want to thank Podcorn for sponsoring this episode. And you can easily explore sponsorship opportunities and start making money with your podcast. Just sign up now at podcorn.com forward slash podcasters. Again, that website is podcorn.com forward slash podcasters. We'd like to thank Hooligan Zoo Crew for their hit single, Wide Field, off the debut album From the Outside Looking In. That album is available now, and you can find it on Amazon, Spotify, and iTunes.com. What's going on, everybody? RWT Family SMR Podcast listeners. Uh, we would be a lot more joyous today if, well, some stuff didn't happen. This is the episode of the Retro Rewind, so let's not get too down on our luck. I am joined by Paul. What's going on, Paul? What is up, Mr. Moses Marquez? How you doing, man? Uh, I think you understand, like I do, we've all been a little better. So it has not been an easy couple of weeks for just people in general. We've had many a passings in the wrestling world. Pampiro Furpo, uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But L.A. Parka. L.A. Park. I was not L.A. LA Park. It's La Parka. Excuse me, La Parka. Yeah, La Parka. Um, and then, and then today, a non-wrestler, but somebody who is easily a household name, and I do mean easily. Um, one Kobe Bryant, and unfortunately, I believe his thirteen-year-old daughter. Which Gianna. is it's even more heartbreaking. Both, unfortunately, uh, died earlier today in a helicopter accident on their way to um, a Cal- yeah, Calabasas. No, they died in Calabasas. They were going to uh, Thousand Oaks to his uh, his uh, Mamba Academy, which is <sighs> the place where they where they hold the basketball uh, events. Even worse. Um, unfortunately, he lost his life. Um, he had his daughter and uh, uh, her teammate and uh, her parent. I don't know whether it was the mother or father yet. Um, and uh, the pilot. So five people in total. Yeah. Rough day for just just rough day. Sports fans, non-sports fans, just for so uh, it was he was a celebrity to say the least and then, and then the fact to hear that you know some young ones had to go early 
it's it's unfortunate. So uh, I don't think I've ever done this to kind of thing, but I'm dedicating this show to the one Kobe Bryant and his daughter and everybody involved in that unfortunate accident. Yes, sir. So our hearts do, you know, hurt for them, but I will do the best I can to liven the mood with this fun episode of Retro Rewind. At least I thought it was kind of fun. Maybe I'm the only one. No, it was pretty cool. I, I, I'm not going to say I completely hated Raw. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was funny in, in, in a few ways, but, um, and then, uh, Nitro kind of took me for one of those, hmm, but I thought it was good though. I, I thought it was good. Oh yeah, definitely. I got some things to say about Nitro, but we need to start how we always do. We'll start it with Raw. May 6th, 1996, episode 158 of WWF Monday Night Raw from Sioux City, Iowa, because we're taping, and that's how we do. We get a tribute to Ray Stevens. You know, the, uh, I've, I want to say he was a former world champion for, I don't remember, Ray Stevens is an old school wrestler. I want to say his prime was in the 60s. But uh, anybody that knows about the Cauliflower Alley Club, you know who Ray Stevens is. Uh, yeah, he was actually, the funny thing is, is that you and him share uh, a similar name. He was actually Ray the Crippler Ooh. Stevens. And he was also part of the Blonde Bomber uh, tag team with the AWA. Um, he was also in several different territories for um, the NWA. So he's made his way around partially more mainly because the reason why he was going to be featured on both of these shows not just not just wwe uh, nitro will also pay tribute to him too so who was all like i said he's been a fixture in wwf which was the worldwide wrestling federation when um vince senior owned it so he was he was a fixture in both in both brands Yep. Well, Companies. Then, <clears throat> like I said, again, old school for those who go that far back. But then we do get a lovely, not, no, I wouldn't call it lovely, but we do get a woman sitting in the dark saying how Shawn Michaels is a homewrecker. He ruined her marriage and her life. And I guess we'll find out how later. We cut the opening and then we have Hunter host Hemsley. He's ringside with some lady uh, with King and Vince. And then we started it off with. The one, two, three kid making his way down the ring against Mark Merrow. So the king tells us that the woman in the opening scene is going to blow the lid off the whole Shawn Michaels scandal. Plus, we get the Undertaker versus Owen Hart and something about Goldust being ringside later because I guess he wants some Owen. I couldn't really tell at the time. So Hunter says Mark Merrow has a big head and is curious to see what he can do. Merrow does a crazy, uh, crazy over the back takedown then follows it up with a plancha to the outside. A kid using the crane style to stomp on Marco on, on Marrow's head, and then have I mentioned that Sable's getting sexier by the night? Uh, no, but thank you for telling me. That's right. Everybody should pay a little more attention to that. It's going to get more and more and more. I'm sure by the every episode he's on. So we get a sleeper attempt by Kid. It gets Marrow off his feet and puts him flat onto the mat. Kid uses the rope for some extra leverage, and it looks like Mark Marrow is out. The ref sees that the ropes are shaking. Rather than considering Kid cheating, he yells at DiBiase to leave the ropes alone. 
Hunter claims that Sable is a, a dime a dozen, and I'm like, I'd like to see that dozen. King claims that Marrow stole all of Hunter's moves. Hunter says uh, Marrow doesn't have an original bone in his body, but if he's going to steal from anybody, well, it might as be him. And I'm like, why? You suck. You don't get good. You don't get good till you're almost out of the business, there, bro. Another fucking sleeper by Kid and Marrow is back to the mat. The, the fans are shit talking Hunter while he's on commentary, so he gets up to shut him up. But that's not how it works. It's fucking wrestling. They're just gonna yell right back at you. We go. We go to break. With another sleeper, finally Marrow breaks out of it. He makes a comeback. The crowd is surprisingly waking up. Flying forearm sends a kid sends kid over the top rope. He uses a senton to the outside. Hunter gets up, throws kid back into the ring as Marrow is climbing the turnbuckle. He gets crotched by Hunter and calls kid over. Kid goes for a superplex, but Marrow reverses it into a splash and then gets the win. So you go ahead and start this off with your rating. Uh, I gave it a one and a quarter. Simply one for Sable and the quarter for the match. <laughs> it was ex- it, it was pretty. It, I don't want to say it was too bad, but I don't know. It was. It was. I guess, you know, <laughs> you you would think. Sean Sean Waltman would would want to do more. Sorry, one two three kid would want to do more with a really, really good wrestler in Mark Merrill, but it just seemed like it was just there. Like it was just a match. No, I, to I, me anyway. And we get to get the peek at that Sable for him. So to me, that was good. I mean, it's better. Uh, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't in love with this thing. I, I seriously think Mark Merrill has just been completely turned down since he's, Left WCW. I gave it a two. I said I was hoping this would have been a hell of a lot better. I did enjoy the finish, but that is about it. I really don't ever want to hear uh, Hunter on commentary again. Exactly. So we get a recap of last week where Savio Vega challenges Steve Austin to a Caribbean strap match where they decline and Vega whips to Austin anyway. But over the weekend, DiBiase was asked again and he says that they would only accept if Vega... Uh, if they accept, if Vega accepts the stipulation that if he loses, he will become DiBiase's new chauffeur. So I'm like, that's kind of racist, but all right, whatever. Right. Pro wrestling. So we get far two against the British Bulldog, and I see these two names, I get a little bit excited. So before the match, even though we got a far two entrance, we get a vid- we get we end up getting the video of this woman and her allegations against Shawn Michaels. Vince says that they can't vouch for this lady, but I'm like, I guess they're still going to give her airtime. So if you're not vouching for her, why are you going to let her talk? But anyway, so this is the woman of another wrestler. I'm sorry. She's the wife of another wrestler. And uh, apparently it has to be in the WWF because, well, these guys don't work indies. At least I don't think they did. She claims that Shawn Michaels knew her husband and was that knew her husband was on the road a lot. So one night he called her and said that they wanted to discuss an issue. She invites him over, but the issue isn't with her husband. It's between her and Sean. Things get heated, and in her words, they get down. They get things get downright hot. They get close. He smelt good. Oh man, he's gorgeous. They ended up uh, into the bed together, and it was the best she's ever had. He whispered sweet nothings into into her ear, and then left and never to call her again. After that, her husband knew something had happened and went. And when he met Sean in the ring, he couldn't concentrate and lost. I fucking lost it. I'm like, what? That makes no sense at all. That you're you're trying to tell me like like 
let, let's think movie logic here. Okay, movie logic. Major League. Doesn't the wild thing fuck um, what's his name's wife and homeboy finds out about it and he's just like, hey, just strike this dude out. Like, he didn't give a shit. Whatever. You're telling me this guy gave a crap? No, you're full of shit. Right? That shit was funny. It just, it, I was whatever. She says, he used me. Now she, uh, now she sees it happening to someone else and she won't stand for it. She ruined, he's like, he ruined everything. I'm like, okay. And that's when I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm, maybe I sound like a dude, but I'm like, you knew what you were getting into it and you said, fuck it. And when he didn't call you back, you got butt hurt. Like, I don't know what else to say. (laughs) Then we get a replay of the slap from Diana and finally we get a fucking match. Fatu is dancing around, making the crowd love him. And who doesn't love this fucking guy at this point? I mean, seriously, he's like world championship. Like, he's like world champion over. It's ridiculous. The bulldog gets beat up, then rolls to the outside and wants his wife to confront him. Like, you know, to comfort him. Oh, I'm losing. Oh, stop hitting me. My wife's right here. So then we get a test, a test of strength attempt by the bulldog. And then he ends up eating a headbutt from Fatu. And it's like, why would you? You should have ducked. Or something like you should have known. That's all bad. Bulldog crutches Fatu onto the ropes, throws him to the outside, and then does some posing. Even a cool little like hand, uh, like handspring flip, whatever the fuck. Fatu gets ran into the post. Cornet chokes him with a racket, and then some big dudes show up on the screen. And I'm like, one of them is Rosie, and I don't know who the other one is. I'm trying to figure out who these big dudes are. Fatu uh, in the ring. Fatu is out on the mat. With a sleeper hold, he gets back up, locks in a sleeper of his own. Bulldog hits a low blow while the ref isn't looking, sending Fatu to the outside. More offense from Cornette because, hey, it's fucking Jim Cornette. Fatu wakes up and goes to the uh, goes on the offensive, hitting a back suplex, but then uh, gets a slow cover, allowing Bulldog to kick out. Cornette jumps on the apron, but ends up being knocked off by Bulldog. Huge clothesline that turns Fatu inside out. Bulldog then hits a power slam. Out of the scoop slam position, which was a very impressive way to get to the power slam for the victory. So, what do you got on ratings, and who the fuck was the other big dude? Uh, well, actually, that was Samu, who was, who is, whose father is also named by the same name. Um, the interesting thing about these guys is that they never appeared again in W's in WWF. This was like they're they were called the Samoan gangsters, which they had some weird freaking names. And unfortunately, they had like this one little thing. They were supposed uh, the original plan from what I read was they were supposed to come down to the ring and supposedly change um, the identity of um, Rikishi who is Fatu, they were supposed to change his identity and he was supposed to become, you know, he was supposed to tell them, no, I'm legit. You know, I'm all about the kids. It was supposed to be some big angle, but apparently at the time, Vince, I guess somewhere said, no, never mind. We're not doing this. <laughs> and it just squashed. And the guys took off to WCW, uh, ECW, where they were there for a few years. Um, we all know about Rosie. We all know who Rosie is, who is um, uh, the brother, Roman Reigns' brother, older brother. And also he was a he was the sidekick of the hurricane. Yeah. So 
we all know who he is and we all knew who he, who he would eventually become, but it was just kind of weird that they kind of did this whole thing and never did anything with it. Very weird. What do you got on rating? Oh, uh, I, I, I give it a, I give it a two. It was pretty good. I don't want to say it was excellent, but I give it a two. What'd you give it? I'm with you on that. I gave it a two as well. Felt it was odd at first, but turned all right in the end. Fatu is beyond impressive. I see why they pushed Rokishi as hard as they did. Uh, but Fatu could be a huge star now. But, hey, they don't like him. Afterwards, yeah, exactly. Fatu, afterwards, Fatu is yelling at the two big dudes and says, you guys are, he says, you guys, he's like, you guys aren't my family. The WWF is my family. WWF fans are my family. And I'm like, uh, well, they look kind of like you and those look like a bunch of white people. But, hey, I dig what you're getting at. So, as you said, it was a fucking angle, just, man, whatever. Which kind of sucks, because like I said, this dude was over. Ugh. Yeah, you could tell how by how over Fatu was with the with the fans, so it wasn't like anything too outrageous. But I don't know, I don't know where Vince, in his mindset, where it went right there. But it just, I guess he just stopped the guys right where they were at, and next thing you know, you see them. They were off on the side in the dark. They weren't even in the light. They were just in the dark. So it was to me. It just made no sense. I mean, from what I was reading, events stopped them from coming down to the ring. That was all I. That was all it said. That was from everything, every single angle, from every single page that I went through. I went through like six different ones, and the that run through old school, um, Raws. So it just happened to be uh, on who review Raws. It just said that it never really panned out to what they wanted it to or I guess Vince just didn't like it so no I I don't know Vince is weird like that I just killed it that's Vince for you so uh, apparently next week Triple H is going to take on Shawn Michaels and Duke the Dumpster Josie will take on Vader so we get the Body body Donna's against Techno Team 2000 do you want to tell them who was all in Techno Team 2000 uh, they were just a bunch of guys. They were actually in the USWA. Um, one of them was actually the father. Their father was, um, God dang it, I can't remember his damn name. Here we go. I got it all written down. I wrote for it you. down, but I can't remember his damn name. Here I got it all right here. So um, the non, the non, uh, Bill Watts, uh, Cow- Cowboy Bill Watts. That was one the one of the guys that was in the group was yeah. was actually his son. And he was supposed to get a push. They were supposed. The team was supposed to get a push in WWF, and eventually get a tag team title. Get in the tag team title picture, but that never panned out. Yeah, exactly. So this is what I wrote down. I said Techno Team 2000 is made up of Chad Fortune, a former NFL tight end in the early 90s, who after was done with wrestling was a monster truck driver who just recently retired. And then the other guy is Eric Watts, son of legendary booker and wrestler, Cowboy Bill Watts. So we get footage yeah, from it. Superstars where the Godwins lost to the New Rockers. And then we get a happy 56th birthday to Willie Mays. I wrote TNT 2000, so that's what, or TT 2000. So Techno Team 2000 is actually a pretty all right team. They have good teamwork, good double teams. Al Snow and Marty Jannetty are watching the match, and they are right up on the fucking monitor. You know, remember those days when your mom would tell you stop sitting so fucking close to the television? 
I was waiting for Al Snow's mom to just whack him in the back of the head, like, stop looking so damn close. They were on that uh, TV. Anyway, so. Maybe they forgot their reading glasses. I'm pretty sure Janetti did because he was closer than Al Snow. Yeah, no kidding. So they said they're not they're not nervous at all. Al Snow says that he likes uh, Techno Team 2000, and then some random dude is taking notes of the match. The Bonnie Donners are making their comeback. Zip goes for a falling elbow or something like that and just falls right on his ass. Travis is running wild, but uh, sorry, that, uh, blah, 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 blah. but the Bonnie Donners get uh, get back into it with a smart double team and a top rope Frankensteiner and a hammer fist to the crotch. I don't know. It was a weird finish, and that was that. So, what do you got for a rating on this weird whatever the fuck? Uh, aside, I'm gonna give all my points to the Techno Team 2000, and that was a one and a half. The Body Donnas don't really show me anything. They never do. That's it. I'm again in complete agreement with you. One and a half as well. Techno Team 2000 seems legit. Too bad they don't do much, and the Body Donners or whatever. How in the fuck are they tag champs? Oh, that's wait. They have Sonny. Yeah, exactly. So then we get Cornette and Vader. They're in the back being interviewed by JR. And JR says that Yokozuna will be back on May 22nd. And he'll be 100%. And I'm like, didn't he break his leg? But whatever. Cornette says that Yokozuna will never be 100% again. He's 650 pounds. He's a 650 pound man with one bad wheel. And it won't hold up against Vader. He says you have the strength and the size. But he has the athleticism that... That you don't. Plus, his heart is blacker and colder than yours. And I'm like, yep, that sounds about right. So then we get Owen Hart versus The Undertaker. Goldust is out first because, well, I guess he wants to get a good look at The Undertaker. That's what I come to find out. Vince announces to the world that Goldust will take on The Undertaker in a casket match. And Goldust says, like, he doesn't want no part of it. He's completely surprised at this entire announcement. He tries to run away, but the music scares him back into the commentary seat. I have no idea how that works, but hey, whatever. He's begging well, for the camera. He's begging for the cameraman to stop his entrance because he's scared shitless. I thought that was pretty funny. Owen is asking Cornette uh, what to do against Taker. Then he sneaks into the ring and goes on the offensive. Taker doesn't sell any of it. Goldust is all of a sudden turned on by Taker after being scared shitless, which makes no fucking sense. Owen is able to gain the advantage by attacking Taker's left leg. Goldust is talking about the urn, and when we come back for the break, Goldust is trying to uh, is trying to trade a Chris from the urn, but Paul but uh, Paul Bear doesn't want none of that shit. King calls Goldust a chubby chaser. Paul Bear runs for his life after uh, runs for his life after Goldust tries to derobe him, which I thought was just creepy and just inappropriate. So Goldust keeps the nonsense where we can't. He keeps saying some bunch of nonsense that we can't hear. There's a top rope drop kick from Owen. He tries to lock on the sharpshooter, but uh, Taker wakes up, lands a big boot, throws Owen over the top rope by his throat. Goldust gets a little fresh with Owen, but Taker grabbed Owen, hits him with a tombstone for the victory. So what do you got for a rating? I gave this one a two. And it was pretty funny at the end when uh, Goldust was trying to walk away and uh, Paul Bearer was bringing in that gold um, casket. I thought that was awesome. It was pretty funny. The match was pretty cool. It was okay. Eh. Eh. But I gave it a two anyway. I'm with you again. Two. Match was all right. Owen carried it, but Taker had his spots. 
Too much weird gold dust for me. After the match, Paul Bear comes out with a gold casket and gives and it gives Gold Dust the heebie-jeebies. He and Marlena head to the back, and the show ends with the Undertaker posing as we go off the air. So I didn't hate this show. I gave it a one thumb up. It was fine. I didn't I didn't hate it. Yeah, I followed suit with you, so I gave it one thumb up also. I mean it felt like it was just kind of there. Like it was just like, hey, we're going to be on TV. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. It, it wasn't like you know you're you're talking about everything on the show. It's not like you're not like, oh my god, and then this happened. Oh, oh my god, that happened. Yeah, that wasn't exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, very not to me anyway. But I do give it one thumb up. Yeah, lackluster to say, say the least. So. Let us continue, though, with something a little bit more interesting. Well, maybe maybe just for me, but we'll figure it out as we go along here. Nitro, also May 6th, 1996, episode 34 of Monday Night Nitro from Daytona Beach, Florida. Bischoff welcomes us to Nitro, but then he says, are you ready for basketball? And I'm like, wait a minute. And it's a fucking wrestling show. We get another one. Yeah, because it had an early start. They had a like he, he had mentioned that it was a. Uh, 4 p.m. E- or 4 p.m. Uh, 7 p.m. P- Eastern start. Oh, 4, p- an hour. 4 a.m. Or 4 a.m. 4 p.m. Pacific. Good Lord, I have my times fucking wrong. But yeah, they had an early start because they had a basketball game that was happening right after that. So Right. Go ahead. Continue. That also explains no overrun. So we get another world title match tonight, and Luger is going to test the waters against the Giant. Heenan's mic is out, but Bischoff gives the obvious what the fuck stare at the camera. Heenan says Luger needs a game plan and he doesn't need to listen to Sting. Mongo says that they're going to roll Savage out like Hannibal Lecter. And then I yelled, someone turned down his fucking mic. Jushin Thunder Liger is back on Nitro for the first time in quite some time. And then Sting will be in action. So the opening match is Hugh Morris against the not Hannibal Lectered up Macho Man Randy Savage. He comes out like Macho Man does. Heenan's mic is fixed. He says Savage is crazy and he doesn't know how he and Flair are going to work as a team. Morris jumps Flair before the bell and is beating him all over the outside of the ring. I've never heard. I never once heard the bell ring. Let me emphasize that part. I never once heard the bell ring. Morris puts on Savage's gear and stretch around. Savage is now infuriated and tries to rip Morris's eye out with a pair of sunglasses. He then That's chokes. That's going to be significant at the end of this match. He then chokes and hangs Morris with his jacket. Hits an elbow drop, and then all of a sudden, I just hear the bell, bing, 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 and I, well, I write in all capital words, enough with the bell, Hoss. Savage slaps the ref, beats him up, hits an elbow drop, um, while flying over another ref. Okay, kill the bell guy, please. Hey, there's a cool guy in the front row wearing a Junior Seau jersey, badass, RIP Seau. So now the cops, the refs, and suits are in the fucking rings. They're trying to talk to Savage, which is not smart. Heenan is calling him a danger to society, and apparently, after being up a re- uh, after beating up a ref, Savage is arrested again. So, because again, I never once heard the fucking bell ring. I am not giving this crap a rating, okay? In the act of professionalism, I cannot rate this match because I don't believe it was actually a match because I did not hear the bell ring, even though Morris had his hand raised at the end. So, as a segment, I will give it a three star. I love Crazy Savage, and I want to kill the bell guy. Oh my goodness! Um, you know what? I gave it a negative one. 
and there was a whole uh, I keep hearing um, for some apparent reason it's like I got a fever and the only prescription is more cowbell that was all I kept hearing and it just kept ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing and I'm just like wow that it was horrible 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 I mean it was exciting I guess in that factor, but it was horrible. So, yeah, it's kind of bad. Yeah, I gave it a negative one. Not too mad at you, too mad at you there. So, we, again, we get another mention of the passing of Rick Stevens where donations can be made to the Cauliflower Alley Club, a club do, do, dedicated, excuse me, to the older generation of professional wrestling. Bro. What? Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens, man. Legit. <clears throat> Not Rick. Nope. Not Rick Stevens. Anyway. So, Dean Malenko versus Jushin Thunder Liger, and he comes out with Sonny Ono. So, the Cruiserweight division is now officially a thing, and the first champion has been crowned. Shinjiri Otani defeated Wild Pegasus, Chris Benoit, at a WCW NWO show that I cannot find as much as I look all around the fucking internet. But that's what happened, and to become the first WCW Cruiserweight champion. I absolutely fucking love... Liger's ring gear. It's black and silver and badass. I love these. These guys are going 100 miles an hour. Liger lands an Insiguri and sends Dean outside. All of a sudden, fucking Flair shows up with Elizabeth in a VIP section. We get a gnarly brain buster by Liger, and it's only good for a near fall. We come back from uh, from break. Flair is sitting there eating. I don't give a shit about this. Give me that match right the fuck now. We get into it. We see a late suplex and then a heel hook by Malenko. But Liger is able to get to the rope. Malenko is working over the left leg of Liger. He rolls him up, but he's able to get a back elbow into a running heel kick into the corner. Liger sets up Malenko atop the turnbuckle, drop kicks him off, and splashes him on the outside. Another backhand elbow attempt, but it's countered into a bunch of near falls. A super gut buster by Malenko. My gut hurts just from watching it, but it's only good for two. Liger counters a powerbomb into a pin. And then he gets power bombed. Hey, he gets Liger bombed, excuse me, by Malenko for the win. I gave this four and a half. That's right. Four and a half. This is fucking awesome. This is how you start your cruiserweight division. Bad fucking ass. It would have been five if I didn't have to watch Ric Flair, Woman, and Elizabeth eat for 60 seconds. What do you think? Are you in the fives? Or the sixes? Actually, I'm no. I'm actually in the fours. If you really want to theoretically talk about it, I'm in the fours. It was a very good match. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Of course, you, I know you don't like Dean Malenko, but what else is new? I love Dean. I don't have a problem with Dean. Dean is he's a he's a worker. That's no, what you Dean have a problem is. with his personality. That's what you have a problem with. He doesn't have a personality. He has none. He's the blank man. Blank. Anyway, so would you? Would you rate it a flat four? I rated it a flat four. Flat four. I love it. Okay. So me and Gene is out is out to do an interview. Flair and the ladies are out there. They look like they're going to go to the Oscars. He, Flair says Robin Leach can't be invited to a Ric Flair party. Flair says that they're going to go, that they got on a Lear jet. They flew out to Florida, parked next to John Travolta's, who I'm pretty sure he flew his own fucking jet. Got into the most expensive hotel and decided to see what the ordinary folks are doing. Flair goes and says that the Giant got lucky and his time will come and when that happens, the Giant is going to hurt. 
He talks about Lethal Lottery, saying that he has to team with Savage, and Arn better not make the wrong choice again. Flair offers Mrs. McMichaels a cocktail and says, don't worry, there'll be more at the bar where I'll be all night long. She dumps the drink out with a smile and and says, how, and then Flair replies with, how about I show you why they call me an all-around cowboy? Elizabeth says, don't worry about the champagne. Savage has plenty of money to blow. Flair says that they're riding home in the blue Porsche, pal. And then we get what I swear to God is a fucking Glacier promo. And if you tell me it's not, I'm going to kick you. All right. It may be a Glacier promo. Because it's blood runs cold, okay? I don't think See, I I said it may be. I'm pretty sure. I said it may be. But I am not going to agree. I'm not going to, you know, agree or deny it. I'm with that. I'm with that. Lord Steven Regal. I'm not going to confirm or deny it. Sorry, my bad. There you go. Continue. Confirm or deny. Gotcha. So Lord Steven Regal taking on Sting. Regal is patched up. He has an eye patch. His guts wrapped. His legs wrapped. He's all wrapped up. It's all obviously from the parking lot brawl. I'm like, is it me? Or did the place just fucking explode for Sting? It brings a tear to my eye each and every week that I get to watch the Stinger. Call me biased, but I love me a good Sting match. So... Regal is getting into it with the fans, and it's fucking great because I don't remember anybody that was so just universally hated, but was so good in the ring, like Steven Regal or William Regal, whatever you want to call him. He was the master of working the crowd and then working in the ring. That's what one thing I think he was really underestimated on. But as we're getting to into me, it, to me, he was he was very technical in that British style of wrestling and i loved it that's that's what is a draw to me for for steven william <laughs> bill bill regal bill I don't regal. Care whatever the hell you want to call him <laughs> I, to me that's that's my draw to him is that he's very old school in his in his technical in or the way he is in that ring and technically he's sound and he can work you he can work you big time Almost like a um, uh, what the hell's his name? Will Osprey. Will Osprey uh, is no, 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 not Will Osprey. Um, uh, Zack Saber Junior. Ah, how yeah. He, how he bends your appendages and he gets yeah, you. Yeah, well, he's he's a and holds and you're just like, God dang it! How the hell you get into this and how the hell do I get out of it? Yep, a little bit of the British catch can. Awesome, awesome stuff. So Heenan is talking about the brawl from last week, and Bischoff says the only thing more beat up than Regal is the is the Bronco they used. Heenan says, what about my rental car? Bischoff says, you mean the Zuzu? Heenan says, yeah, that's what it started out as when I returned it. It was a Hyundai. I laugh. Back body drop and Sting goes for the Scorpion Deathlock, but Regal's able to go to the outside and then we go to the break. When we come back, there's USA chance because, you know, universe, Regal is universally hated from being from the UK. Sting is mocking Regal and the, cr- and the crowd is on their feet. Some technical wrestling from Regal, and he uses his strong grip to control the hands of Sting, but Sting powers out as Regal begs off and a thumb to the eye to gain the advantage. If that doesn't sound familiar, you're not listening as often as you should be. Sting wakes up and hits a dropkick with a couple of Japanese arm drags, which look awesome, and Sting is on fire. He misses a splash in the corner, but Regal hits, goes for a Liger Bomb that gets reversed into a slam and a bridging cover for the win impressive yet slow i still really liked it with a great ending you think i'm so biased i'm giving sting five i'm not i'm giving him three and three quarters what'd you think 
I, you know, you know, you know me, and you know, Will, uh, Regal. Uh, I'm not even gonna call him Stephen William call him Bill. Regal. Whichever one, dude, is just sound in that ring. And of course, we're gonna say this again. We're gonna say it week after week until he ends up leaving. You know, Sting is by far the most over guy in, you know, uh, WCW. So easily, I gave it a three. Many people may not agree with it, but I gave it a three. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I can fuck with that. I mean, I'm not like I said. Maybe like I said, maybe I'm biased for the extra third, you know, three, you know, three and a quarter, three quarters or whatever. But hey. All in all, still really good. Uh, they can't figure out whose fucking music to play because Sting's music is playing. We're supposed to get Luger. Then Luger's music plays for like two seconds. And then all of a sudden, Jim Duggan's come out. And someone's like, hey, it's Duggan. Hit his fucking music. So they hit his goddamn music. And I guess he's getting a fucking title shot. And he gets into the ring. And a- well deserved. Well deserved. Oh, yeah. I think he's been losing week after week. But you No, know. he wasn't. He's been winning. Oh, that's right. With a tape fist. Get the fuck Who out cares? Of he's been winning. Anyway, so apparently Luger isn't in the building yet, and I'm like, how in the fuck are you not in the building yet? Don't they have, like, check-in at, like, two? Anyway, he's not in the building, so Duggan offers to take his place, and then the mu- the Giants music hits, and I'm like, if that was that easy to get a title shot, anybody should have fucking went out there. Alex Wright could have been world champion. You know what I mean? Just like, fuck. He'll get that later. Yeah, he'll get a shot. So this is the match. WCW World Heavyweight Championship match. The Giant defending against Jim Duggan. I'm immediately... Less interested because I was hoping to see the Giant and, and Luger, but we'll figure all this out. Why? I said, okay, this is the match. Juggin, Duggan gets in into it with the Giant as he's getting into the ring. The belt isn't even off the waist of the Giant, and Duggan keeps trying to fight. I'm sorry, Duggan keeps trying to beat up the Giant, but he fights him off, puts a boot in his face. Giant is backing Duggan into the corner, but by his ass, by the way. And he gets sent to... Just made me, hold on, wait a minute. Marked up my whole everything. And as he's backing his ass up in the thing, he eventually misses on the third attempt. Duggan splashed the giant, but he's just too big. And I'm like, is it just me? Or is Duggan kind of just half-assed selling everything? Giant, uh, giant keeps just killing Duggan. There's another miss splash. Duggan gets the tape in hand, but before he's able to tape his fist up, he eats a choke slam from the giant any awesome choke slam if i might add so look i'm gonna say i didn't exactly hate this fucking match i didn't exactly love this fucking match i gave it a one and a quarter and i'm trying to be nice so wow um yeah i think we'll touch on that anyway um one and a quarter extended squash kind of disappointing i again do love the choke slam thoughts and ratings on this i thought it was actually very enjoyable the fact that duggan was out there and that he tried to use that damn freaking tape again he tried to wrap his hand in that in with the tape but he just couldn't get it i liked it i did it was enjoyable I'm not going to give it some outrageous, you know, five-star rating, but I will give it a good three and a half, three and three quarters. Wow, you really liked it that much? I did like it. For some apparent reason, it just, it it spoke to me. It said, rate me high. 
That's what it told me. Rate me high. They did not tell me that. So anyway. Give me a high rating and I'll prove you right. And I did. Sure. So after the match, the Giant is continuing to beat up on Duggan. He hits him with another choke slam. Some jabron comes in. He eats choke slam. Another jabron comes in and he eats choke slam. And then my man Alex Wright comes in and he eats one too. But then Flair comes in and he has a wooden chair in hand. And he breaks it over the head of the Giant. And he fucking no-sells it. Then Sting heads the ring. The place, again, livens up. Double X handle. Then he goes for the leg of the Giant. Multiple chop blocks. Landing big right hands. And then he finally is able to get the Giant off of his feet with another double X handle. He goes to lock in the Scorpion Deathlock. When he's, he's using all of his might to get him turned over. But when he finally does, Jimmy Hart attacks. And then finally, Luger shows up. Bags in hand. He comes in to save Sting. They try to double-team the Giant, but Jimmy Hart and the Giant, are they hit the high road. Sting is yelling at Luger, where you been? Luger is flabbergasted by the question. Sting says, this is, he's all, this is, he's all, this is your, he's all, this is you, this is your deal. You caused this. This is your title match. So yeah, where you been? Luger says, don't act like I don't want to be here. Don't act like I didn't want to wrestle the Giant. Is that what you think? Sting says, well, for two weeks, you had bigger opportunities and you missed them both. They argue till the show ends, and Heenan is screaming, hit him, hit him. I'm fucking loving the build to Luger and Sting. I can't wait for this to happen. I believe the first time I saw Luger Sting was, I want to say 1990, I want to say 90 or 91, and it was for the U.S. Championship. And this was back when Luger was legit the total package. He can move a lot better. He was a heck of a lot bigger. But again, everybody was back in 91. So, two thumbs way the fuck up. I love this show from start to finish, even though the opening had a bad rating and the main event was no good. But if it's not fucking Sting to the rescue to save this goddamn show. What'd you think? Like I said, I, this kind of coincides with with my rating, why I was so excited for it. And it's just... This build, we already know it's going to happen. Eventually, it's going to happen. And when these two, you know, explode and lose their titles, and it's it's going to be a good match. And I'm really, really, I I know these two will end up giving everybody the show that you know is well deserved. Completely, completely agree. So, did you give it a thumb rating? Oh, I give. Oh, by the way, I give the show two thumbs up. By the way, hey, all right. Right on. So that's it for the wrestling portion. Um, we started off this entire thing talking about the the unfortunate accident that happened with Kobe. We've more news has come about. I believe the the total you had mentioned, Paul, in the, in our message, I believe, came to nine. Yeah, uh, the manifest said that there was uh, nine people who were aboard uh, the helicopter. So. Still some unfortunate news. I know this is not the way we wanted to end, you know, our retro rewind show. And it's hard. It's hard because you don't necessarily have to be a Lakers fan. And I continually say this. You don't you don't need to be a fan of an individual, but you can respect the individual because of what they bring to any sport. Absolutely. Or any any place that they're in. 
Kobe Bryant was the definition of his mentality, as he called it, the Mamba mentality. And he worked so damn hard, you know, to get where he where he was, to get the respect he did and respect and was well-deserved by so many around not just the NBA, but sports in general and around the world, you know, with what he brought to the table. And I am a Lakers fan. As am I. And this hurts. This is like losing a family member. I mean, you can make that, that dumb argument that, oh, you don't know, but it's like in all reality... He was a celebrity, and to those who who feel when celebrities go, you know, I guess you can consider us in that same boat. When you are a basketball fan, you're a sports fan, you follow a team for so long, and legit the mainstay is the man, and you know that we're talking about here. It it hurts. I don't believe he was four years out of the league. You know what I mean? And that's that's the kind of impact it is. He was fresh off, like there was still rumors of the guy coming back. You know, it, it's it hurts. It hurts a lot. So, unfortunately, we have to do the selfish thing to end the show because that's what we do. So, besides, and this, I'm going to make this a little more unselfish. I want everybody right now on whatever fucking platform or social media you like the most. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, fucking Snapchat. I don't give a fuck what it is. If you can somehow tag Kobe's family, Kobe himself, what, whatever. Do it. Send them your well wishes. Let them know that, you know, the prayers are with them. Like, I, I can only imagine what his wife is going through. I can ima- only imagine what more Laker fans are going through, let alone just family and friends. So send them your well wishes before, you know, you deal with us. But, you know, that's your let, let that be your way of paying respects, whether you were again, like how Paul says, whether you were a fan or not. So, Paul, go ahead. Let's cut some plugs. Let's get out of here. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under the same name, RWT underscore Deadman. Like I say, you follow, you find anything interesting, uh, tag me in it, send it to me. I will prom- I promise I will do my best to uh, share it on my page and um, retweet it. Um, also, I'd also like to plug our RWT queen. Um Moni Lynn, she isn't here this, you know, right now, but she is on a hiatus. She's doing her damn thing, like she always says. Uh, you can find her on inst- on Facebook and Instagram under the same name, Wrestling Nerd Chick, and you can find her on Twitter under Moni Lynn WNC. Also, tag her in anything too, Mr. Moses Marquez. On to you with the clothes. Thank you, brother, man. That's right. Make sure you're following SMR Podnet on all platforms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SMR Podnet. You can check out anchor.fm forward slash SMR Podnet to find the links to everywhere this podcast can be found, which is places including Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, CastBox. I fucking I don't even know it anymore. I want to say we have about ten places we're we're able to get right now. So and that also includes our YouTube. You can check out Linktree linktr.ee forward slash smartmark radio. That has our link to the their YouTube page and all of the social medias. It's a legit a one click stop and gets you to everywhere and anywhere you want to be. So with all that being said, there's some things happening 
there was Worlds Collide that just happened last night. There's going to be a review on that. Do not fret. But we're also going to go. Unfortunately, we're not able to go live for while uh, for Worlds Collide. We are going to go live for the Royal Rumble. It looks like right now it might be a Mo and Brian show, but we don't know. The point is, make sure you're following us on the social media so you can be a part of that live recording and let us go out by saying rest in peace kobe rest in peace to his daughter just again well wishes to him and his to his wife and hope you know hope that this can be a a joy not necessarily a joyful day but hopefully this can bring people together you know what i mean that's something that's missing in this world where we're all a little bit of a part and unfortunately maybe the the passing of an icon can can bring us a little closer together. So with that being said, we're going to get on out of here. We'll catch you all around the bend. Peace out. Mamba out.